one, and welcome back to the Peak PT Studio podcast with myself, Rich Higgins, Josh Jurieff, and David Lewis Charlton. How are we doing, guys? Not bad. How are you? Ooh. Very good. Very good. Good, good weekend. Good. Yeah, I could just say go back two episodes <laughs> yeah. and just uh, listen to that, and it'll be the same answer. Do you want to just put a, sa- stuff, a sound bite? A sound bite that we'll add in each week. <laughs> What have you been up to, David? I have been helping Sorsha do the house. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Wardrobe Excellent stuff. Mm-hmm. Bigger. I mean, to be fair, we could pretty much all do that. Josh, house and kids, me, some form of running or cycling or swimming. Yeah. David, house, done. Yeah. Everyone had a good weekend. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, this no week. Takeaways. <laughs> no takeaways. No takeaways. I saw a shit film. Oh, did you? Yeah. Go on, give us a review. Uh, Black Adam. What if he's listening? Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> if he's listening, then we've got some problems. I'll have a look, <laughs> through, the, I'll have a look through the downloads and see if Dwayne's on the list. <laughs> DJ. We've got one, about his subs. We've got one listener in the States. <laughs> God damn it! Um, I'd say out of 10, it was a 4.5. It was the, shocking. It was really flat. And... Uh, the only good thing was Pierce Brosnan, you know, 007 was in it, and he is solid. So I think that's it. You know, if you if you like Pierce Brosnan, go see Pierce Brosnan. Um, if you're going to go see Dwayne Johnson, I mean, he's in it a lot. How often is he topless? Um, or is he just in his skin tight suit? Like three or four times. <clears throat> so not worth it. That's wild, isn't it? Do you think when, oh, yeah, Pierce, <clears throat> when Piers Brosnan started his career out that he could envisage himself at the back end of it acting with Dwayne The Rock Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm acting on the big screen with a wrestler. Yeah. Getting a role in a film like, yeah, my career should really have taken off by then. And now he's like cameoing in some film made by a wrestler. <laughs> and he's on the way now. Yeah. It's like walking on set like, I was James Bond. <laughs> God damn it. Respect me. <laughs> I've saved the world three times. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. So not worth the watch? No. Unless you've got literally nothing to do. No, yeah. I mean, David, you gave me a good spoiler, didn't you? That, I mean, I don't want to... Oh, should I give a spoiler? Spoiler of that film. Yeah, the, the cameo at the end. I mean, you've given it four, four and a half out of ten, so I think you can well, spoil away. <laughs> yeah, the only good thing was uh, Henry uh, Cavill comes in, swoops down at the end, and... Uh, He's going to be Superman again. He's going to be Superman again. So, yeah, spoiler, watch out. Post-spoiler alert, you can start listening again. Yeah. Yeah, too late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're vaccines. Yeah. I don't watch many films and the spoiler went right over my head, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're blissfully ignorant, but yeah, spoiler for that film. Yeah, I wouldn't go see it. I wouldn't recommend it. Second spoiler, it got four and a half out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so this week we've talked a little bit about nutrition on previous episodes. We're going to go into, as promised, a supplement episode. Um, this week we've also got a MythBuster talking about DOM soreness as an indicator of um, a good workout. We're going to touch a little bit on fat burners as well, and then get into the supplement episode. A little bit of a disclaimer on this a lot of the supplement side of things and as with a lot of stuff in fitness it depends some of the stuff that we're going to touch on um you'll find out when we get to it we're not going to give 
uh, we're not going to be kind of dishing out specific doses potentially like we were with the nutrition last week as that's a bit outside of our scope of practice we're going to give a bit of a backdrop um, why people might take certain things what they do um, and then probably refer you elsewhere to find a bit more of a an in-depth view if you feel or told that you are deficient in something um, along those lines especially when we get down towards the health and stimulant side of it um, the performance macronutrient supplement sort of breakdown is more in our space and more in our scope of practice um, but yeah especially when we get into the health stuff it'll be just a bit of a, a brief on that what certain things do why people might take it and then yeah like we say where you can refer to um, kind of further notes on that side of things uh, just your F myth busters Ding ling ling, cute. Ding, thank ding, you. Ding awesome. ling ling ling, <laughs> ding ding. <laughs> That's amazing. It's That's exact, like newsbeat. It's exactly the same as last week. Yeah. I have no idea if it was. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So first on the MythBusters today, fellas, is as Richard says, DOMS. Uh, we used to see it a lot um, in commercial gyms. I don't know if you did up in London, David, but um, yeah, where we used to work <coughs> in a, a, a chain gym. It was um, it was something that a lot of people, especially when they're doing like um, classes, would have you know a negative um, kind of point of view when they you know post training they wouldn't get any soreness they wouldn't get any DOMS. Um, so if those uh, listening don't know what DOMS is, uh, delayed onset muscle soreness. So in other words, when you train, you get a little bit of uh, soreness afterward. A lot of people that we used to train uh, in the gym would be you know smashing themselves into. Uh, the ground on you know Monday coming on Wednesday and they were like ah oh, didn't train hard enough on Monday because of oh, I don't get any muscle soreness um, so that's what we used to we don't see much of that now maybe because we're just at peak and we're awesome but yeah we used to see it a lot um, so that's one thing that we'd like to clear up today yeah I think <clears throat> from the start like Josh said going back to what causes DOMS um, to start out with and a lot of what we see in commercial gyms and people starting out is like we said, they use it as a bit of a measure of how good the workout is. A bit like when we talked about uh, body fat percentages, people can have a really good workout in the moment. And then like Josh says, they come back in two days later and was like, oh, I wasn't sore, I wasn't aching, felt fine um, after that. And use that then as the uh, metric by which they measure the workout. So DOMS predominantly um, caused by micro tears in the muscle as we're doing a workout so there's things that are going to create more doms not necessarily and this goes back to the goal of the workout if the goal is overall progression in a workout say getting stronger getting fitter those are the metrics we want to go by not how sore the workout makes us as a little bit of an example if someone is in the gym i mean for any of us if we went and ran a marathon tomorrow we'd all probably be pretty sore pretty achy the day after it doesn't necessarily mean that it's done anything for us um, from a stimulation point of view or anything like that um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's progressed us got us stronger or got us fitter for that exact time it's just a new stimulus on the body that we're not used to um, and so we'd create more aches and pains um, post-workout I think you have a few more than us like, I would have a few more than you sorry yeah. yeah. Now you'd be you you're into running now. You'd be fine. <laughs> Josh would breeze through it. Just calf dumps. Yeah. <laughs> Just on one calf. <laughs> um but yeah, with with dumps, like you say, it, it's generally caused by 
new movement, new stimulus to the body. So quite often Nothing we'll, yeah, exactly, we'll introduce a new exercise to a workout routine, um, an increase in volume or something like that. And people are like, oh, I was really sore after that. That exercise is so good for abs or chest or whatever it might be. It's not necessarily any more beneficial than stuff we've been doing previously. It's just created a bit more stimulus and soreness because it's a new exercise that the body isn't quite used to. Mm -hmm. And you can still be, in fact, you definitely still will be um, progressing if you're not creating DOMS after a workout. And in actual fact, I'd argue if you are constantly um, sore with DOMS after a workout, it's something that you'd need to look at of potentially changing up the routine too much, look at the recovery process, that you're not getting enough recovery there if you're constantly sore after a workout. It's not really the aim of what we're going for. We're looking to progress our fitness, our weights, the amount we're doing, the volume we're doing, the stress that we're putting on the body. Yeah, especially with with the movement. So the eccentric part of a movement is is also sort of shown to really increase DOMS. So the eccentric portion of a movement is the, the lengthening of a muscle. And so especially when that's under load, so it's actually the controlling, say like on a bench press, the controlling down, or the lunge where you're controlling down, the squat where you're controlling down, uh, on the pull-up when you're actually controlling the down portion. So it's when your muscles are under load and lengthening. Uh, that seems to have more of a micro-tear stimulus and then that's what also causes a lot more doms and especially on anything through a fuller range so i don't know many people who don't get sore after pushing split squats mm-hmm. yeah. Just RDLs is another an increased, classic isn't it yeah. yeah so it's anything where you're really controlling especially legs wise because they're a lot stronger uh <coughs> the controlling down which is why we always sort of just try to get people to control a movement. Um, so that can increase the soreness. So if you have a lot of exercises with the eccentric portion overloaded, you're gonna get more DOMS than anything where you're really focusing on the, the, the doing the work, pushing stuff. So for example, for university, one of, one of my dissertation was on DOMS and part of it, a lot of people were doing so bicep curls, but not the actual curling up, just overloading the down. So people would assist you in the up, and then you would basically just control the down portion, and people were coming in where they couldn't straighten their arms. And they had no actual lifting of the weight, they were just controlling the down, and it wasn't very nice. Same <laughs> as on a treadmill, uh, so we were actually doing downhill running, and so that is your controlling the, the lengthening portion of the run, and then that also created more DOMS than a normal run, an uphill run. Cooks yeah. your hamstrings. Yeah. So it's, again, it's just an indication of what sort of movements you've done and the intensity rather than it's a sign of, good job, do it again. Yeah. Because mm. especially when you're sore, <clears throat> you probably don't want to have another strong progressive workout because mm. you can't go through a full range, you're really sore. I can't sit on the toilet properly without holding on. Mm-hmm. And so that's not going to be good if you come in and then have to do squats. Yeah. That's the end result, isn't it? That you want to be able to progress through the workouts and not come in next time. We say that to a, a lot of people. Not come into the next workout so sore that you can't go 
at the same intensity or higher than you were doing previously in the workout before. Um, I think something to look out for as well when you go, if you're in commercial gyms and classes and stuff, a lot of PTs will use this, um, especially in classes, a little bit like our gripe with burpees. We can do that in another Mythbusters. But a little gripe, a little gripe with burpees of people just throwing them in to make people tired. Personal trainers will throw in the end of a workout, kind of like super slow negatives or new stimulus or line them up, right? um, or loads of volume at the end of a class, so everyone's super sore the next couple of days, thinking, "Oh, it was the best class ever because I'm really aching." Um, so yeah, something to keep a little eye out for. Um, we've got two MythBusters. We have. Go yeah. on, take it away. Double barrel this one. Um, so the next one's fat burners. So something that has been on the market for donkey's years um, are products that you can buy um, over the, well, over the counter, I think it's still over the counter, um, mm. and have, yeah, <laughs> um, super drug. Um, but they, ha- yeah, they've been in the you know, consumer's eye for a very long time. I remember they used to be huge and Grenade Fitness used to be, well, mm. I think they still are. Here we go. Um, the biggest seller of them. Um, I was at IFS with H last year, and Julian, is it Barrett, the owner, or founder? I think he's the founder. Um, did a really good speech, and then he kind of finished on, well, someone from the crowd said, oh, you know, what's your most, over over the, you know, the, the time you've had Grenade, uh, your best product? And he said, fat burners. And everyone, just, all the PTs went, oh. <laughs> Well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you can set protein bars, and everyone like, yeah, yeah, yeah. great. That yeah, you know, they serve a purpose. Fat and burners are basically some ways for companies to rob you. I think yeah. um, they have shit tons of caffeine. In some cases, they have lots of caffeine, so people get that kind of buzz. Um, they feel hotter and they feel kind of ready for the workout, and they, uh, they advertise themselves to help you lose weight because they've got loads of green tea extracts which if you think that's going to help just drink green tea um really <laughs> uh, but yeah they um long story short they've been out for a while and they do fuck all yeah i think like you say they generally they're loaded up with caffeine and then there'll be a few other um ingredients in there that might have shown a 0.1 percent increase in whatever calories burnt metabolism over a workout or something like that in very specific circumstances then it gets thrown around like green tea orange peel or bitter orange and something like that was one of them wasn't it marmalade's better cayenne pepper cayenne pepper all of that kind of stuff (laughs) spicy um summing it up i mean the marketing of it as well is generally playing on people's emotion isn't it really anything that can help them lose fat specifically Mm -hmm. um also the title of it we'll yeah call it fat burners people yeah. want to burn, burn fat, fat exactly fat, yeah and you just have that and missing four steps and really, jump to the end yeah, and say, exactly. oh, i want that quick hit yeah exactly i'd say like josh said at the beginning the fact that you can buy it over a counter anything that seriously and this is not us encouraging it but anything that is seriously going to um increase metabolism help you burn fat and things like that will be an illegal drug um there's there's nothing that you can buy over the counter that's really gonna really gonna benefit and i think that's a lot of the time it goes for all sorts of things like testosterone boosters and stuff that you can buy down your local uh nutrition shop 
they're all generally going to be pretty useless. Um, and something we're going to talk about going into the supplement part of this episode as well is the cost reward benefit of a lot of this stuff and paying out a lot of money for fat burners and testosterone boosters that at their best might give you a point something percent increase uh, is really not worth your while. Mm. I'm going to be devil's advocate Mm -hmm. just because I'm a dick. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to say if fat burners were to work, the only way it would work is your nutrition put you at a, I don't know, let's say maintenance calories and you had a fat burner and over the course of the day it boosted your metabolism by 50 calories, 100 calories. Again, it's sceptical, might work, but mostly I'd say it's the psychology of it. If taking a fat burner boosts your motivation to Mm. manage your food, do your exercise, then that may have a positive effect on losing weight or burning fat but I'd actually say it's not necessarily the fat burner it's the motivation to to try to be more effective yeah and so whatever you take even if it's a placebo effect that actually manipulates your sort of exercise and nutrition to have a positive outcome that's going to be the effect whereas the actual fat burners poo-poo to them Mm. yeah so you're saying that you can take a fat burner tub empty it and then fill it with multivitamins that'd be better (laughs) anything as long as you use the discount code david s chelton (laughs) (laughs) yeah so pretty much off the back of that don't use doms as an indicator of how good a workout is it's generally down to a new stimulus on the body specifically um New exercises, eccentric loading and exercises are going to create more DOMS, not necessarily of benefit to progression towards your goals. And then in terms of fat burners, um, it's all a load of marketing hype pretty much Mm -hmm. and anything that is going to seriously affect uh, your metabolism and your ability to burn fat to that degree is going to be some sort of illegal drug. Um, Yeah. Yeah, nice. Oh, good. So with our supplements, we've broken them up a little bit into what we've called kind of performance slash macronutrient supplements. Um, There's a bit of gray area here into foods as well, I'd say. Um, Then we're going on to stimulants um, and then lastly on to health supplements. So starting out with performance and macronutrient supplements, here we're looking at, we talked about macronutrients last week, so sort of protein supplements, carbohydrate supplements, then also getting into a little bit around uh, creatine and electrolytes, so something a bit more performance-based, a little bit of a how, why, and what, why people might take them, um, how, where the sources come from, um, and then, yeah, a bit of a debrief on why we might potentially not advise, but give people the option to take them here how it might fit into your day like we said at the beginning this is a bit more within our wheelhouse within our scope of practice something that we encounter much more commonly than potentially some of the health uh side when we get down to that um so protein shakes guys is probably i reckon is the most talked about supplement out there probably the thing we get asked about the most Mm -hmm. um what's your thoughts 
I think they're, yeah, you're right. Everyone generally has used or has thought about taking them as a supplement. And they are, I think for me, the thing that I use the most as well in my training. They help just kind of bolster my protein. And, um, you know, they come in a lot of shapes and forms. There's lots of different things on the market. Uh, but generally, you know, whey isolate is the the box standard, and it's kind of well, in some degree, the gold standard, really. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I think the um, like you say, reasons why people might take them is to, like Josh has said, increase protein intake if they're struggling to. I this is where protein shakes. I'd almost called them a food source, really, more mm-hmm. than a supplement. Yeah, they're essentially if you're looking at it nutritionally, like having a blended chicken breast or tuna or something like that, which bodybuilders used to do back in the day, but containing a in the region of 20 to 30 grams of protein, I think the vast majority of them for fairly late, yeah, raw eggs for fairly low calories. Um, So it could be for boosting that protein content through the day if someone's struggling to get that in. Mm. It could be helping recovery if someone's doing quite a lot of volume in their training. Um, And yeah, generally whey protein uh, is fairly cheap. It's a waste product off the production of cheese. Um, And so a lot of the time, yeah, it's fairly cheap and similar to what we talked about with the fat burners. Anything in excess of that for the most part, I'd say is down to marketing and you'll get an awful lot of you know, I don't think they do it as much anymore, but like topless bodybuilders on the front of uh, tubs and all this kind of stuff, or- They do if you look for it. You get you get them quite, <laughs> again, I don't think they do it anymore, but you used to get quite sort of condescendingly like pink tubs and yeah. lean protein for, for women for and all that kind of stuff diet. and yeah. diet whey and it's all the same stuff um, marketed in a different tub with a different mm-hmm. wrapper. Um, so yeah, it's something I don't necessarily need to overthink. Find something that sits well in your stomach, um, that is palatable to you, that you like the flavor of, and is relatively inexpensive. Um, and you're going to be fine there. There's, I mean, there's tons, isn't there out there? Awesome supplements. There's PhD, um, my protein, bulk bulk powders, Mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. There's loads of them out there. They're all much of a muchness. It's just finding your personal preference on those. Yeah. yeah, I think with, um, well, especially as talking about supplements, so it is a good way of supplementing your protein. So especially if, so for myself, I tend to have a lower protein breakfast. Hence, I'll usually, if I have a protein shake, I'll have it with breakfast. Whereas I'm pretty good at having higher protein lunch and dinner. So then I don't need um, to supplement at that time. So, and it's just easy because it's on the go. So again, it's more how it fits into your lifestyle. It's not a necessity, but if it would help increase your protein intake, which I think most people would actually benefit from, um, then it would just help on the recovery side. Like we said last week, protein is sort of very good for structural repair, especially for muscles as well as uh, health. So having more protein is probably a good thing, especially for anyone training, Mm. such as the people we see. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. A little touch on like vegan and vegetarian as well, because it's something thrown at vegan diets quite a lot that it's difficult to get a source of protein in or enough protein in. Um, It can be 
especially if you're a little bit limited by food choice. There's tons now of vegan proteins out there. Exploded, isn't it? Yeah. I personally take them. I've got a bit of an intolerance to lactose, so I take a lot of the vegan protein powders. They're a lot better than they used to be. Yeah. Taste a lot better generally. They're good mixes and blends. Um, something you'll hear a little bit about, which we'll touch on into BCAAs next, is the BCAA content of a lot of these um, vegan protein powders. You know, if they're just coming from one source, generally, if you look on the back of them, they'll come from a mix of like pea protein, hemp protein, that kind of stuff. Um, there'll be of a mix of blend to make sure you get a good profile of amino acids. Um, specifically, most of the time, you're talking about leucine, which is a BCAA. Um, that that's something that people struggle with interestingly there's more and more research into this that in actual fact a lot of vegan protein sources have a reasonable amino acid profile and if you're eating from a variety of sources you're probably all bases covered um but yeah there's similar to the whey protein now i mean there's tons of stuff out there for vegan protein and um i don't think you struggle nearly as much as you used to to find any of that stuff and it's nowhere near as earthy and grassy as it used to taste like (laughs) (laughs) grassy yeah Um, a little tangent on that though has anyone ever tried the pea pasta i've I've been meaning to try it but it's made from yellow peas no no well if anyone has like edamame bean spaghetti and stuff yeah which is quite nice just imagine the texture crazy expensive yeah yeah, I just I just saw it on the uh, on an advert on Saturday night, and I just thought, oh, it's interesting. What I have one of is how many peas does it take to make one bag of protein? <laughs> yeah, I'm like there 16, must be so many peas. Yeah. Putting make twenty. Peas. <laughs> yeah, they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> Puddington pea genocide. Um, <laughs> next one onto there, like we we've, we've touched on, is BCAAs, branch chain amino acids. Essentially, I mean, it's cliche, but always referred to as the building blocks of protein. You'll get certain supplement companies, I think a little bit less now, but selling BCAA drinks um, on the side. For the most part, if you're getting, if you're hitting your protein target, it's nothing that you need to worry about. Mm. Um, potential reasons people might take BCAAs is super high volume of training, um, really high um, high volume sessions where they might, t- might take them pre-workout, intra-workout, post-workout, things like that. Or if someone's dieting particularly hard. Um, but outside of that, if you're hitting your protein intake, I don't see a need. You'll see a lot of them chucked in um, pre-workouts and things like that as well. Again, just a bit of a buzzword, a buzz term more than mm. anything, I think, for the most part. Um, yeah, if you're hitting your protein content, not something that you need to stress about, really. Again, if we go back to that cost-reward benefit, expensive for if anything very very minimal um dose there and i think like we talked about before with uh vegan sources there was also there was a lot of talk of people on vegan diets needing to take bcaas and leucine specifically something they're not getting from their diet but i think a lot of that with more recent research and more um development into vegan protein sources i think it's less and less of an issue than it used to be yeah, I used to take them because I used to train fasted, so similarly, mm. normal time. It's sort of seeing morning clients, and then I would train maybe sort of late morning, early, maybe around lunchtime. And again, I'm just fasting for for convenience rather than anything. And so at the time, 
I would take them because I thought, oh, this will help me. Uh, I'll break these down instead of my own muscle. Whereas as the research has come out now, it tends to be if you have enough protein throughout the day, especially the day before, you'll still probably be digesting the protein from your dinner the night before, especially if it's a slower mm. digesting protein such as a meat. Um, and then that will still be trickling into your bloodstream. So it was more of a psychological yeah. thing than anything. So I don't bother doing it now, but at the time, yeah. research was like, ah, oh, BCAs, yay, it's I remember the, It's kind the, of the same as the fat burners, you know, the mm. same category in terms of the marketing. I remember the peak of like Charles Poliquin recommending people taking about 30 oh, tablets yeah. during a workout. It was literally <laughs> yeah. like five tablets in between each set. Um, in a BCA's pot, it was virtually like a pot of his supplements. I was going to say, yeah, was like, but only mine were. Yeah. <laughs> By thirty of them a day. Yeah, <laughs> it was literally like going a pot of a pot of uh, tablets through. Yeah, I think people were rattling around the gym as they were yeah. taking them. There was a gym that I used to train at, and they had the whole range. Mm. Literally, you go to their reception, you're like, shit. Yeah, yeah. That is enough to stock an army. Crazy times with Charles Poliquin. Rest yeah. in peace. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> next, we'll go on to, I guess creatine is kind of the next one off the bat there. Um, something, again, generally similar to whey protein isolate. David, again, with his discount code, putting in the notes <laughs> at the bottom, is marketing it here. Sadly, this isn't videoed. Um Creatine is one of those things. Essentially, it's a energy source for the body when you're doing short, sharp um, bursts of intense exercise for the most part. So if you're thinking weightlifting, powerful exercises, to the point where you'll see an, a, a huge, huge proportion of athletes. I think it was um, World Games a few years ago, and they, as they always do... Um, put questionnaires out to athletes and there was about eight out of 10 taking creatine because it's one of those things that's heavily researched, fairly cheap to take just creatine mm -hmm. monohydrate. Anything outside of that, again, is generally marketing, just creatine monohydrate is fine. Uh, it's a cheap supplement. The benefits for the most part far outweigh the risks. There's been talk of in endurance sport, kind of cramping issues and things like that. Um, and also I think baldness was one, wasn't it? Which I think was quite an old study and quite a poorly done study showing that it may accelerate male pattern baldness in people that already exhibit that trait. Um, but outside of that, for the most part, there's a lot more research recently, again, outside of our scope of practice, probably, but into cognitive benefit. Yeah. Um, and so Brain it's health. becoming, again, another... I'd say more a popular supplement. Yeah. It's an interesting one because it's kind of like, it's always been there, but I think generally because supplement companies can't make a lot of money out of it because the raw product's fairly cheap, it's not something that really gets chucked to the forefront an awful lot. No. Um, and I remember Maxi Muscle Simley used to do a crazy expensive tub where they used they chucked oh, a load yeah. of other products into it. Add a fancy word. Career Max or something. Career Pure or yeah, something like that. Um, and they used to chuck stuff in there. And then, yeah, similarly, it was just a, a bit of a marketing ploy. But it's one of those supplements, I think, for the most part, um, is definitely worth a look 
for a lot of people looking at increasing performance in the gym, specifically strength and power and yeah, anything along those kind of lines. Um, it's definitely one worth looking into. I'll put a little uh, plug out for it. And especially when we get into the kind of health side, a website called examine.com, mm-hmm. um, which is a really good collection of latest research. You can, I think you might have to pay for it now, but um, you can essentially search any supplement on that site and they'll bring up all the latest research on it give you a bit of a debrief of why it's taken and things like that any potential side effects any risks all that kind of stuff and like i say all the latest papers so if you want to go further into looking at the actual breakdown of it but yeah examine.com i'd say is yeah yeah is probably one of like the the gold standards in terms of a bit of research it's one of those things as well. You go onto the website and I mean, we're rattling through a few uh, supplements here. You go onto that website and bloody hell, it's... It's like Wikipedia. Yeah. You get lost in it. <laughs> There's like thousands of stuff I've Urban never degree. heard of in my life. Um, yeah, never heard of in my life. So yeah, if, it's a good good one to have a little look at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, guys, any experience with creatine, taking creatine? Yeah, so I find it, uh, I do tend to notice the difference when taking it, but again, only when I'm trying to really push intensity in training. Um, So I'll go through phases of taking it, but it's mostly, so like most supplements, it's in food. Um, It's just taking it in higher doses because you can package it all as one. and so it's it's used by the body just for as an energy source, so just like the macronutrients. Um, but the creatine is sort of one of the initial energy sort of systems used. So anything sort of zero to 10 seconds, creatine takes a lot of the initial energy response. And then the other sort of nutrients kick in and maintain energy output. And then whilst you're recovering, you know, you regenerate it and then you go again for another sort of zero to 10 seconds. Uh, so that's why it's really good for the explosive strength side of things because it can really help a five rep max, a kettlebell swing where you're trying for power, mm-hmm. um, a 10 second max cycle on a bike where you're just aiming for max output and short bursts. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I tend to find it beneficial, but I only really cycle it if I'm trying to push that side of things yeah. otherwise again i haven't looked into it enough about the health just taking it as a continuous yeah. health yeah. supplement yeah. so i haven't really looked into that i'm the same yeah exactly the same i yeah. think there's a lot of uh similar when the create pure stuff was about <clears throat> there was a lot of talk about loading it um taking what like 20 grams a day four scoops and things like that mm. for the most part the research has debunked that generally it's just five grams a day seems to be yeah. the pretty much stock amount it's something that you do get from food so quite a bit of food contains creatine the reason for supplementing it is just like david says having it there as kind of a bulk your body can store it and hold on to it so similarly in terms of dosage and taking it you don't need to be taking it kind of like straight before a workout or pre or post-workout or anything like that. Just when's convenient. I know a lot of people have it with breakfast and have it 
because it's it's tasteless and everything so you can stick yeah. it in orange Squash, juice or water yeah. or whatever um but having five grams a day seems to be the most kind of reasonable amount there's no need for the loading phase i think some people will still put it on the back about taking 20 grams for four days or five days or whatever it is it's like carb loading for a 10 second marathon. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no real need for it there's only so much your body can hang on to and yeah once you're supplementing it it's making sure your stocks are up so yeah that seems to be the latest research on it by the time it even said you have to cycle it like loading yeah, phase and then cycle it and now yeah. it's like, meh. Yeah. I think, yeah, a lot of the time, I mean, a lot of athletes and stuff that take it now, I think like David said, more than anything, it's just, uh, there's no, not that I've seen, like no real issue with people taking it long term of just taking that five grams a day. But I think a bit like anything and a bit like caffeine that we'll get on to talking about, mm. people just cycle on and off it from a matter of, yeah natural fluctuation of oh, i haven't bought any or stop taking yeah. it for a little bit or i'm just going to take a bit of time off it and then enjoy the the benefit of it when i come back on so i think generally people naturally um cycle it anyway then, but there doesn't seem to be any great need to i mean i'm asking for a friend but do you think it's all right for a seven-year-old accidentally has <laughs> a whole dose my sure. friend my friend gave it to his son yeah absolutely <laughs> It's worth the, ex- worth the experiment, yeah, <laughs> getting to it early. <laughs> um, Massive by eight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, daddy. <laughs> Is that Dwayne the Rock Johnson? He'll <laughs> have a great movie career. Um, the last one, kind of in performance and macronutrient supplements, we'll sky over this one a little bit because I, I think it doesn't tick too many boxes in terms of the people we talk to the people we see mm-hmm. but talking about carbohydrate um supplementation and electrolytes as well they both fall more into the endurance category um carbohydrate mixes generally anything over kind of 90 minutes as a duration of a session so whether that's runs or cycles or swims or whatever it might be something a bit long longer term so biased uh, yeah any of those endurance events <laughs> there's probably some other ones cross-country skiing um but any of those kind of things any duration over 90 minutes you might be looking at um adding in carbohydrate gels carbohydrate mixes things like that um anything under that i wouldn't generally worry about and a lot of this is going to be down to tolerance similar to what we talked about with eating the other week about eating before an early morning training session some people can eat on the go some people can stomach gels and sweets and whatever as they're training others find it really difficult and have to train their stomach a little bit more to tolerate it the general guidance around this is about 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour if you're looking at something over 90 minutes that's from the start of the session i'd say for the most part so you want to be taking that through the first hour you don't want to leave yourself in a state of depleting and then trying to reinstate you want to be on top of it from the start if you're doing something longer the 60 grams per hour initially came out of people just taking sucrose sugar mixes and a lot of the gels are generally based off that. More recent research has shown that a mix of uh, fructose as well, um, so sugar is generally found in fruits and things like that, people are bumping up to 100, 120 grams an hour. Um, 
but again it's something that you need to test over time and probably something you need to talk to someone about if you're doing any events over that kind of distance getting a bit more specific about your own nutrition um plug for parity yeah <laughs> yeah um electrolytes as well i would say more and more electrolytes are getting far more individual and hydration's getting far more individual than it always was a little plug like we did for examine.com there's a company online called precision hydration where you can do some online sweat testing and if really need to you can go to their laboratory and they'll do some sweat testing on you as well they've got people all around the place what they're finding basically people sweat at different rates uh, lose water lose salt at different rates so it's becoming far more individual they do a range of tablets on the amount of milligrams of sodium that you'll have in each one um, rather than just the generic off the shelf of um, buying you know the science in sport or whatever it might be here's the general average it may be way too much for you it may be nowhere near enough again if you're going to events like that it's something that you'll probably be testing uh, or should be testing um, over a lot longer period of time anyway but uh, yeah anything on those guys I think we don't want to spend too much time on it (laughs) just drink your water yeah Yeah. (laughs) around training for most of us just doing kind of our gym sessions and things like that yeah drink plenty of water and take care of your nutrition Um, stimulants so getting on to the second bit yeah, <laughs> everyone's favourite, <laughs> PT's favourite. You never see a PT like before sort of twelve midday without a coffee in hand. So yeah, let's go through stimulants. I mean, I had a coffee just before and I haven't stopped shaking. So <laughs> <laughs> brings us into I think like we just talked about with a lot of the previous stuff with coffee and with caffeine, which is the active agent within coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, is individual needs individual requirements as well you know some people the old whose sketch was it uh is it peter k or what's the other one uh a comedian al murray no with a woggly hair can't remember his name mcintyre mcintyre that's the one yeah um wobbly yeah <laughs> he does have it. yeah he yeah. does jiggles it I've around i've seen him live twice he does yeah. just warble around. yeah 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 um and he talked <laughs> about the like having a coffee after dinner in the evening and all that kind of stuff again some people like have a double espresso shot after dinner and then go straight to sleep after other people that'll keep them up all night my dad does that yeah he does it individual tolerance and uh dosage with caffeine is really important again similar to what we just touched on with the carbohydrate and the electrolytes um a lot of this is kind of trial and error mm-hmm. there's all sorts of rule of thumb that we'd give and we each give ourselves is i don't drink coffee past two in the afternoon or three in the afternoon or four unless i need it yeah yeah <laughs> unless i'm really unless i'm really <laughs> flagging um but all of that kind of stuff, yeah, I think it's going to be down to individual dose. It goes without saying that if you're someone that doesn't take on a lot of caffeine, uh, doesn't drink, isn't a regular coffee drinker, your tolerance level is probably going to be a lot lower of someone that has two or three coffees every single day. Um, and similar to like we talked about with the creatine, people might um, cycle this a little bit generally you'll hear people say oh i've been relying on coffee far too much recently i need to take 
a few years. weeks off or um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> never see it again uh take a couple of weeks off a month off whatever it might be um and some of this can be down to like people notice certain side effects off it headaches all yeah. that kind of stuff just general tiredness getting up in the morning and needing a coffee or needing a coffee later in the day to keep you going um and you'll find people cycle it that way but yeah generally it's going to be an individual sort of dosage response i think yeah um and off the back of that same sort of thing but uh stimulant drinks so red bull monster energy that kind of thing yeah that makes me feel how so do we feel sick. about that <laughs> red, i mean i i don't have a lot of it red bull just makes me feel sick straight away i don't drink it a lot slash hardly ever Love it. Yeah, I'm like the smell of it, the taste of it. <laughs> I don't, I don't mm, mind mm, anything. Mm, I'll, I'll drink it. Oh, the Red just, Bull. Seeping out my pores and I'm putting it on myself. <laughs> Mix it with my creatine. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, someone that has a lot of caffeine, I have had for the last, what, 10 years, especially being a dad, in the kind of, you know, the mid, middle of the night kind of thing, I would have a lot of caffeine. I have a red bull and I feel sick, shaking. So it must be something within the drink that just doesn't react well. Because mm. I can have you know five, six coffees a day and be fine and go to bed without any issue. But as soon as I have a red bull, you know, one o'clock, I'm I'm fucked for the rest of the day. Mm. I think that's the issue, isn't it? With a lot of the energy drinks, they've got all the other stuff in them. They've got taurine in them as well. Mm. Um, and generally, you'll hear people they sit less easy on the stomach. I think a lot of the time than a coffee might do or a tea or yeah. a green tea or whatever or the B vitamins as well yeah 500% of your RDA <laughs> <laughs> all the stuff that they chuck in there um, so yeah again it's an individual preference thing isn't it if you're was that off the back of your dissertation a love for Red Bull I can imagine cramming them through the night yeah six a night no, like Will off the in-betweeners just... <laughs> <laughs> say rugby tour yeah lads vodka Red Bulls yeah, just seems to be the. Uh, <laughs> I love the smell of, of Red Bull and Deep Heat in the morning. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Takes me back to the good it's old tiger days. Mom. Yeah. Tiger mom. <laughs> I love Tiger Mom. <laughs> Warm legs and Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Caffeine will leave you with warm legs and Red Bull. Um, but yeah, individual dose dependent. Some people tolerate more than others. The stories of you hear of kind of athletes that take it an awful lot of the time crazy crazy doses dosages that they take in competition to get them going and mm. um, because of their uh, tolerance level to it the caffeine tablets and all that kind of stuff you see oh, an awful lot of that uni, um pro plus is it yeah pro plus looks like used to do some too yeah mm. used to take them to ibiza yeah people would be like what are these pills caffeine tablets yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Like, yes. I'm cool. I yeah. don't do recreational that, drugs. That guy over but there it's going to be up until 6am. It's <laughs> like £25 for a vodka Red Bull. So yeah. Caffeine tablets caffeine are much better. Me. <laughs> um, pretty much the only other one we were, wrote down in stimulants was talking about pre-workouts. Another active agent within beta alanine. <laughs> David, you're the expert here. Far away. Uh I'll talk about it whilst currently drinking one. Yeah. Uh, so pre-workouts are just similar to sort of energy drinks, but they're just more fitness gym. Yeah. 
<clears throat> targeted. Um, but similarly, it's a stimulant. It's just meant to be a basically like putting a plaster on your energy levels. So it, I mean, the one I have basically just gives you your caffeine content all in one hit for the, so your caffeine content for the day all in one hit. Um, they'll put in other, again, other stimulants um, and anything else that sort of research has potentially shown to give a, an increase in output. So physiological as well as psychological output, anything that sort of hides fatigue. Um, but it's, as with everything, context. So it's always good to remember why you're taking it and <clears throat> trying to cycle it. So especially like with pre-workouts, if you get used to it and then have coffee throughout the day, it can really be a high caffeine content. So it's also good just to wonder how your other stimulants mix in. Um, but it can be a good temporary fix. So again, depending on when you're training. So for example, I'll tend to fast in the morning so I won't have breakfast sometimes depending on what time I have dinner the night before mm -hmm. I might be a bit hungry hungrier hungry until it's kicking in yeah <laughs> hungrier. Words. Uh, and so I might be a bit more fatigued I might not have slept so well but that's the sort of time I've planned in for my training mm -hmm. um, around clients etc so that's the sort of time I need my energy and if I don't have it I can either adapt my training to be a bit less intense and then work on my other sort of lifestyle recovery things so that the next time I can have a good session without it but at the same time if you know how to work it into your day without too many negative consequences then it can be a great way of however you feel have a pre-workout have you had any negative consequences yourself no none ever But I'm not too much of a caffeine drinker outside. I might have one or two right. coffees a day. Yeah, how many coffees do you? No. no. And it's just normally contractually the... obliged to say that he has no ill effects from <laughs> pre-workouts. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> use <laughs> No, but I think that's also because I'm not... I tend to know how to balance it in. Yeah. I'm also a good sleeper, so I'm good at switching off, so I don't tend to get to the evenings and be like... Woo! Now's my time to think about everything I haven't thought about during the day. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't negatively impact my sleep. So, no, I tend not to. I don't get any sort of gastro distress from it. I don't get the shakes. No, I'm all good. I know some people can. Mm. But again, I think that's how yeah. it mixes with other stimulants you might have throughout the day, what time you take it. Again, your individual. I've got a mind blank of the word. Response to it. No? Yeah. I've personally never really used them. I've never. Me I mean, there is just <laughs> coincidentally we're talking about it today whilst I drink it. Like H has um, used them before. And she'd go training at, you know, six o'clock and she would train and then she'd be like, yeah, sleep like a baby. So I think everyone's, like you say. That I think would affect me. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, I've never, well, I've always normally trained in the morning or yeah. late morning slash lunchtime. So I've never needed a sort of evening pick me up for training. 
I mean, I, I'm kind of, and I say it to some people that do struggle when they do take caffeine and stimulants is, you know, four o'clock is the window where you should not be taking anything else on. But obviously that's for people that don't have a large issue. If you have a bigger issue, then I'll bring that into, kind of, like Rich said, 12 o'clock. But yeah, I've had pre-workouts and I'll just be pinging off the walls and then crash. So, yeah, a little sensitive soul that I have. <laughs> yeah, because the reason I'm taking it at the moment is I've been on a little diet. And so I've just been trying to <clears throat> cut down my weight a bit. So that means cutting my calories. And if when you cut your calories, you have less energy. So even though you're going to be trying to use some of your energy from your fat stores, you're still technically as a principle providing less external energy than you need mm -hmm. and therefore your brain says whoa yeah. i'm going to try and down regulate it's like having a month where you've overspent or spent more than normal yeah you will try and course correct and say oh, okay well yeah. let's try and rein it in yeah to rebalance and that's mm -hmm. what the brain likes to do and so again this is going to be my last month of trying to lose and so i just want to try and make it as effective as possible so I'm only going to use it for this month and then I won't have a need for it so it's a temporary fix for me to boost mm. training whilst again I'm not going to have as much energy so yeah nice cycle it yeah, yeah. context dependent yeah <laughs> I think the last group to touch on is probably um the one that we'll spend the least amount of time on is health supplements um, because a lot of this stuff generally falls slightly outside of our scope. Um, there's people out there that know more about it than us. Um, I think if someone's specifically seeing a dietitian, um, again, or you've been advised through certain deficiencies, again, link back to examine.com if you want to do a little bit of your own research into it, so you want a bit of background if you have been recommended certain supplements and things like that. But looking into the health bracket, just a few of the ones that normally get thrown out there, uh, I'd say is vitamin D, fish oils, multivitamin, and vit C, mm -hmm. um, potentially. Starting from the bottom, I think generally... See, most of the time that I see it used is someone gets ill and then mega doses on <laughs> vitamin C and <clears throat> tries to get themselves back feeling better. Personally, like I think it's probably very small to minimal effect, but going back to that cost reward benefit. Scurvy. Yeah. <laughs> going back to that cost reward benefit. Um, Vitsy tablets are pretty cheap, pretty yeah. inexpensive. If it makes you feel better to take a few and similarly with like, um, you know, like cowpole when you were younger almost is like the actual benefit to it. Probably fairly minimal, but cost effective. If it makes you feel a bit better, then probably not going to do too much harm as long as you're not mega, mega dosing it. Which can cause issues. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a little bit like Lemsip and stuff, isn't it? Just generally a little bit of paracetamol, a yeah. bit of Vit C, and a bit of caffeine in it. And um, hopefully that concoction does something. Generally, I think your body is just getting better by itself anyway. But it just makes you feel better while yeah, your body yeah. does the magic. For sure. Yeah. Um, next one up multivitamins. Um, again, 
hard because it's outside of our scope, I'd say, for a lot of the time. I think generally that you'd want something or want to be told a bit more specifically where you're potentially deficient Mm -hmm. rather than just like we talked about with the electrolytes earlier it's a bit of a for me it's a bit of a blunt tool to a potentially more finite problem you know if you're taking a multivitamin that's got the rda or slightly above the rda of everything across the board but actually your deficiency is in vit d or b or whatever it might be Mm. you'd want to be a bit more tailored and a bit more specific i know more companies now do I think you can get almost like designer vit multivits, mm. can't you? Of like, yeah. oh, it's specific to this. This and... is a multivitamin for your hair. This is for yeah. your beard. This is for yeah. your skin. These are for your eyes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think generally, again, oh, cost reward. I think most people I speak to with a multivit, generally, I think, unless oh, you're man. seriously deficient in stuff or your diet's seriously deficient, it's one of those things that's quite hard to even pinpoint a, I feel better because I'm taking this multivitamin. Most mm. people you speak to that take them is, I take a multivitamin with breakfast and yeah. I just think it's a bit of a full safe and stuff. Couldn't necessarily tell you, you know, if you it replace that for a sugar pill for a few weeks, would they feel any better? I don't know. Mm. Um, and one of those things that, you know, maybe it helps, maybe it doesn't. Um, it's not something that I too openly recommend to too many people. Uh, I think you'd want something a bit more specific yeah. if you do have a specific deficiency or if someone's advised you that you have a specific deficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, Same as sort of when I mentioned earlier, it, sometimes it can be a good psychological boost to do everything else that actually has an effect, yeah. mm-hmm. um, such as, oh, I've had my multivitamin, I'm, not, I'm feeling a bit down under the weather, I'll have a multivitamin, and then that might promote oh actually I haven't been sleeping well so I'll have a multivitamin I'll try and get an early night I'll try and drink some more water I'll try and get some more nutrients in and all of that stuff will actually be the thing that will probably make you feel better but if the multivitamin is a or can be a psychological boost to actually be effective with your key lifestyle strategies then it can help but again it's just as Rich said, just being aware of you don't want to overdose on certain things, even yeah. though most people think, oh, I'll just pee it out. It's unclear whether you can yeah. mm. or what you would overdose on. Again, it's out of our scope, but it's just being wary of <clears throat> of it, apart from Super Ted Super multivitamins. Ted. Because, you know, <laughs> Bloody love Little gummies. That's what I used to have as a child. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. When the research was like, yeah, just have it, it's fine. Look yeah. at you now, all burly and bearded, so maybe they do work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My kids have little rockets, and I do, do steal one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. They, they just taste lovely. good. It's like yeah. having a wine gum or like a fruit pastel in the morning. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's good for me. Six, sure. It's like What's having it, an advent with... calendar all year round. <laughs> this one's an orange. <laughs> Should make Thor ones. Oh, if I have this, I'll turn it to Thor. That's a great um, idea. Oh, that's a great idea. Mm. We should get them up. Yeah. Okay, we should reach out to Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> Last couple on these. Uh, fish oils, similarly across the board, I think generally if, if people's nutrition is pretty good and you've got a good blend and mix of oily fish and things like that, um, outside of that, you potentially need to take them. There's a lot of them now that are, will give a blend of 
Amiga 369 again. I think yeah. it's just that bit of a full safe and a bit of a like, oh, look, we've got Not three different few. things. I, from what I know, the most part is people tend to be deficient in Amiga 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and 6 and 9 is a bit of a, oh, we've got more, so it must be better kind of ingredients. Again, you probably want to be something a bit more specific around that. Um Unless you're listening from an igloo, which you probably won't have any deficiencies yeah, in the Yeah, fine. Crack on. Yeah. I it's remember reading... Zone, so. <clears throat> I remember reading the Inuits get their Soup. bitsy from narwhal skin. Really? Oh, really poor narwhals. Fact. There you go. Fact. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There is a, there's a blue zone there, isn't there? We could get onto that in another... another um, podcast talking about blue zones around the world but yeah yeah but yeah with fissures i think uh again it's one of those things in theory logically it says this should help mm. in practicality it depends yeah i think like rich was saying with the um omega six and nine they're supposedly inflammatory and then omega three is anti-inflammatory so then people again logically say <clears throat> oh have more anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. fish oils than the sort of typical quote-unquote modern diet, which has more six and nine. Yeah. Um, but again, that's why it's a supplement, and ideally try and change your diet rather than just supplement. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, some again, sometimes I've gone through phases where I like to try and take fish oil, but for me it's just because I don't like fishy fish. And just to clarify, because <laughs> Sorcerer, she's listening, she'll be <laughs> uh, she likes fish I don't like fishy fish so fishy fish I define as fish fingers fish that tastes like fish goldfish <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like wait what so for example I would have fish and chips so like battered fish and chips white fish I've had sashimi which is extremely fishy but I would have it with sort of wasabi Katsu and ginger curry. so it doesn't taste like fish uh Bit like turkey dinosaurs, do you have like fish, but they're shaped like <laughs> can just imagine Sorsha like plating up some salmon at home, David like, no, no. <laughs> Brings it back in a mold like, yeah. of a T Rex like, like a breaded yum. one. <laughs> mm. like, Wait, does it taste like fish? Yeah. Yes? No, then I don't want it. Yeah, now, where's my Thor multivitamin? I yeah. want to be big and strong. <laughs> <laughs> I think of uh, scallops I would have if they're very garlicky yeah. so again if it doesn't yeah. taste like fish I will eat them cool. so any shellfish like uh, mussels or anything like that too fishy no begrudgingly oh I ate frog's legs last week as well Lovely, when I was away are they fishy um, they're terrible really yeah. where did you have them in a French restaurant in uh, Chester I thought they're just rubbish it's, like France, it's just like less meaty chicken yeah very garlicky. I'd have it. If they're yeah. covered in garlic. <laughs> they're covered in garlic. I'm covered in garlic. <laughs> I'd have it. Oh, it's like garlicky fish, not fishy fish. Yeah. Sweet. I'm in. Same but as yes, snails. Because, because I don't like fish, I would try and supplement with it, yeah. but I've never actually noticed. Yeah. Oh my God, I feel so much better. Yeah. I used to, where I used to work, have, uh, you know, the, the tinned smoked mackerel and, to, well, mm. mackerel and tomato sauce, and that used to piss hair. But I loved Sounds it because then you'd have the spicy tomato sauce as the salad dressing. <sighs> Two in one. Is it fishy? Um, Get for out. me, no. But yeah, Get out. <laughs> you, your pansy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Final one on the health topic. 
Uh, Vit D. <clears throat> this, I reckon, especially recently, more so than anything, gets banded around a lot from a health side of things. Of everyone, mm. you need Vit D, you need Vit D. And what way to take it, people taking it in oils, people taking it in tablets, all that kind of stuff. In sunshine form. Yeah, in sunshine. And I know they've talked about research of Australian athletes being deficient in Vit D and saying, oh, they train outside all the time, but they're in some, wearing sunblock and covering from the sun and that kind of thing. Um, again, something that's generally slightly outside of our scope, I think for a lot of it is going to be specific on if someone finds a deficiency um essentially like a fat soluble vitamin surrounded about bone health and taking up calcium and magnesium and things like that um but for the most part again it's going to come down to an individual basis there may be specific reasons why someone may need it um and I think from what I understand, it's not just as simple as saying you get a lot of sun, you don't get enough sun um, and it's black or white that way. The absorption of it can be very different individual to individual. The food intake, I think a lot of the time when you keep <coughs> people come back from seeing a dietitian or seeing a GP or something and they said, oh, I'm deficient in this, but I eat loads of this. And actually the problem can be a bit more complex than simply just getting it into your body it's actually how Actual it's absorbed health, health and how things. it's used yeah so again slightly outside of our scope but i think those are just kind of the four main ones that we hear a lot about um get asked about generally um for the most part like i say i think it's a difficult one because vitamins are one of those things i think unless you're seriously deficient it's not something that you're going to take and feel like a superhuman the next day um it's a cover or basis more than anything for the most part unless you have been specifically advised um, but not something we're probably going to go around dishing out to people but if you do want to feel superhuman then try our thor yeah multi-bit tablets <laughs> yeah we'll have, a, we'll have a code for that next week <laughs> <laughs> um excellent guys i think that's everything from us so Mythbusters going through DOMS and fat burners. We've then done a good breakdown on performance macronutrient supplements, stimulants and health. Um, sorry if a lot of that has been it depends and dose dependent and all that kind of stuff, but we wanted to give a bit of background because we do get asked about it a lot. We get asked about specific supplements. There's hundreds more out there. And if you do have a question about a specific supplement, um, thinking about taking it then yeah feel free to ask us we might not necessarily give you a direct answer but we'll hopefully be able to point you in the right direction um we've asked previously as well about a couple of questions for the podcast we've just had a couple sent in this morning so we'll get on to those we wanted to go through a bit of a backlog of basics i think we talked about from the beginning so around training around nutrition and supplementation get all of that stuff out of the way first and then go on to some specific questions that we've been asked but we've got a couple more coming up um that is everything from me any other business nada no all good christmas dinner is that all christmas dinner sold out. oh yeah 10th of december yeah maybe one or two more spaces think, yeah. but again this is we need everyone's deposits 18th of november yeah is yeah, it yeah, did yeah. we say so we've got two weeks yeah, to get menu yeah, options, people. we've got more and more of that come in. But yeah, deposits and food options for 10th of December needs to be in by the 18th of November. Otherwise, I'll just order you trips. Yeah. 
of those you get. And a multivitamin. Yeah. Thor <laughs> multivitamin. And a tequila to wash it down. Yeah. Thor multivitamin, £10 per dose. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. That's it from us. Cheers, guys.